Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, it is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I am, you know, George Lopez, and with me is... Oh, yeah! Gilby Clark. Oh, okay. Hey, I noticed not a crack there. You want to talk about that, or maybe we should? No, no, we can talk about that. Yeah, the uh, the Ayatollah Alcohola is uh, is drying out. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I've been working out like a fucking beast dieting, and part of that is no alcohol. And, and, and a big part of that is because you want to bang a bunch of people at the podcast fest. I oh, know yeah. you, it's all it has to do with cock. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going there to get cock blocked for real. A block <laughs> of cock on your face. Yes, my adoring fans. And I'm eating more just to avoid the homos. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting into bikini uh, shape, you know, for the for the uh, expo, and I set some goals, and uh, I plan on drinking no beer until uh, until we get to the expo. Well, this chubby chaser ain't gonna have nothing to do with you. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm working out like crazy. I've lost 12 pounds, and. Uh, Let's see if I can lose maybe, I don't know, 60 would be nice by the time I get to the expo. We shall see. Cool. Yep, but uh, hey, I, I'll still try to be funny or your money back. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Here's the test. Is Ian actually a funny guy sober? All right. Okay, so uh, yeah, dude, what do you want to talk about? We got. Oh, by the way, uh, I come up with this brilliant idea. This will be the last podcast we do where we feature the news at the beginning of the show. We're going to do it now at the end of the review. I mentioned that to you before. Hey, 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 hey. Stop with the reality. I don't like that shit. It's all about me. So I came up with this really good idea So because, well, you know, for now on, you know, we're always like, well, is this going to be a two-hour episode? Should we do an intro? So now it's like, fuck this shit. Let's do the intro and the review for now on out. But, you know, well, no, not really, because we still have a few more episodes but uh, coming up. But soon, after those episodes are done, which is maybe three or four. No, I think it's only one. Oh, no, I think it's none, actually, because all our episodes are not going to be played till we take care of all the requests first, including mine, yes. I actually paid a hundred bucks today to do a review of something I want to be on, and I want to be on the show. How idiotic am I? Yeah, that that caught me off guard. <laughs> I'm such a dumbass. I'm like, I'm gonna pay a hundred bucks so I can pick an album and be on the show. Dumbass, you do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Just more green for the rock and metal, you know. And another, no, actually, all serious. With all the fucking contributions we've been getting, it's like, fuck this shit. I, I want to fucking show my appreciation to the people that listen to us and join them saying, look, dude, I'm also doing what you guys are doing. And yep. this is the third or fourth time I paid. 
Yeah, because you also you also paid. Uh, <coughs> I paid a hundred. I paid a hundred. Yeah, the radio show thing, and I paid a hundred bucks before, didn't I? I think I did. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did, and and then the other donations, and I did, I did the same thing on with the radio show. I I ended up paying twenty bucks to play my own music, but it is it's it's a way to show hey you know we're chipping in just like you guys to try to make this the best event it can be. And there's still just a little delay, uh, but it should be, I promise, by next week, I should have all the hotel shit straightened out so everybody can start making those arrangements. And uh, there's been some new uh, new people that are attending uh, the show as well. Uh, now Eric Brittenham from Cinderella is going to be there. Oh, uh, very schedule, cool. Yeah. yeah, schedule permit. Yeah, I definitely want to get his... His autograph and uh, Greg Renoff, who wrote the Van Halen Rising book, will be there as well. Oh, cool! I got that book. Maybe I should and, bring it. Yeah, and there's. I, uh, I also have the audio book. Oh wow! Yeah, let's. We got an iTunes review this week. How about that? Huh. And a and a five star review at that. This comes from Maiden Mike G, entitled. My mom will never be the same again. Maiden Mike says, and I quote, These guys made my mom feel really special, and normally I'd be intimidated, but then Ian confessed he liked Look What the Cat Dragged In, then Ralph cried to I Will Remember, and at that point, I felt my manhood was safe and intact. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, fuck, fuck you. Oh, wait, wait, he left us a good review. I'm sorry, thanks. Five stars regardless, up the irons. Yeah, that guy, up, oh, oh, okay. He's one of those, oh, I love 20-minute Iron Maiden songs, I'm a man. Yeah, yeah, they suck. They suck now. Up those irons, up your, oh, wait, no, 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 wait, actually, that was a good review. Thank you, bro. <laughs> yes, thank you, what, what, was, what was his name? Maiden Mike G. Yeah, Maiden Mike G. Hey, hey, I, I, I got a recommendation for you. Go listen to any fucking episode we did of Maiden after Power Slave. You'll love what I gotta say. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just being the dick. Yeah, I play, I portray it well. I'm like De Niro over here. I appreciate every fucking review that we get, unless they suck. Then fuck you. <laughs> but they, none uh, of them suck. The ones that suck, you know, you know, it has to do with uh, jealousy. That's right. And I'd like to remind uh, Mike Sears, who I know left us a review. Brother, it still hasn't shown up. I would, you know, try it again because iTunes is funny sometimes. And also, I'm not sure if, uh, like, if you use a curse word. I don't, I think they might not put it up. So just keep that in mind and then try again. And everybody else who hasn't left one yet, please leave a iTunes review. We love to read them. And I don't give a flying fuck. If Mike Sears' review ever shows up, because my love for him will never wane. That's true, but I'd still love to read what he has to say. Yeah, let him send it to his private message. That's good enough for me. I love Mike Sears. Hell yeah. Mike Sears is OG. Yeah. So, as we're taping this, uh, it's a Wednesday. Tomorrow, I was supposed to fly to Milwaukee, but uh, it was one thing after the other. And let me explain why I canceled my trip. And why I'm eating $400. Yes. Well, not, not technically not $400. i am eating about... No, not even close. I'm eating about... Well, yeah, considering a lot of other stuff. But uh, I... Uh, Ruben De La Rosa, 
I love that guy. And I were going to go to the show, and uh, first thing happens is, uh, I don't want to talk about personal reasons, but Solstice had to uh, couldn't play. Now, Solstice was very important for this show because, number one, they were going to pick us up at the airport, they were going to take us to the show, and then they were going to take us back to the airport, but we were going to hang out with them and party all day. So they pulled out. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Now we got to find, you know, an Uber or a cab to the venue. And we're going to have to hang out in Milwaukee all day with nothing to do. And, you know, but fuck it. I'm doing it for loudness because I love loudness. Well, then yesterday I find out because of visa problems, loudness can't come in. And I automatically said, oh, man, I don't want to go. But I'm not one to sell my friend out. So I wrote Ruben going, dude. Seriously, this sucks. I really don't want to go. But if you still want to go, I'll, I'll do it, you know. And plus, we we, didn't, we weren't flying to Milwaukee. We were flying to Detroit and then catching a plane to Milwaukee. I hate that shit. And then flying back to, and then we land in Atlanta and then catch a connecting flight. I hate connecting flights because every time I've had a connecting flight, it always ends up with delays. And one time, when I came from New Jersey and there was a collecting flight to Atlanta... I got there and there was an eight hour delay. So I hung out in the airport for eight fucking hours. So I was like dreading this, but I was still willing to do it, you know, for loudness. But then with loudness canceled, I told, dude, if you still want to do it, I'll go. But if you don't, and you know, initially Ruben said, yeah, dude, fuck it, let's go. And I'm, oh, I was in such a pissy mood this morning. I was just all pissed going, fuck man. God damn it, I don't want to go, but I can't sell Ruben out. But then Ruben called me about four going, you know what, man? No, man, we should eat it. I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm, now I'm not going to, uh, to that show. And, you know, I wouldn't have mind seeing uh, Satan's host and Omen, who I've seen before. Calamity is an incredible band from Puerto Rico. They're my friends. We've played shows with them. But, you know, no offense, man. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to, it's not worth it to me. I, so I, I'd rather like you know eat eat the money you know I I, I fucking bought a ticket for the show uh, uh, and, and all this shit so the bottom line is with the solstice fiasco then the loudness fiasco I just thought to myself dude this is a bad sign you know and uh, God forbid I, that plane goes down but it wouldn't surprise me you know yeah that's crazy I never even knew that loudness was Muslim. <laughs> you know, you know what 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 kind of leader do we have running this country when loudness isn't allowed in the country and Sammy Hagar can stay? Yeah, I know. Why the fuck was that guy even allowed to remain American? I don't get it. They should have fucking deported him. You know, just for you know obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. And go back home to Sucksville. The well, you got to hand, from. you know, one thing I got to say about Sammy Hagar is he is very consistent in sucking. It's not an easy thing to do. So he does have some kind of talent. <laughs> yeah, you can always count on him to suck. Yes. <laughs> anyway. so <laughs> Very hey, dependable, that guy. <laughs> hey, you are funny sober, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. All this time you thought your, your humor was because of drinking. <laughs> no, I just like to drink. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So that's the deal with that. I did buy recently buy tickets to see. Look at all these shows I'm going to. Ingvay Malmsteen, Scorpions, Megadeth, Roger Waters, um, Kansas, uh, 
Uh, dude, I, I did a list, and it's about 10 shows I already got tickets for. Now, I can't remember the other six. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to go see Corey Feldman. True story. And Roger Waters, but not together. Separate show. Corey Feldman. One of the Frog Brothers. So what's in the news? <laughs> All right, in the news this week. Uh, Anvil frontman Lips does not believe that the band's follow-up documentary will get the funding it needs to be completed. He says they have about 40 minutes of good footage, but uh, so far they don't have a backer. The last movie was financed completely by the director, but he really doesn't want to do that again, and he's trying to get... Uh, you know, like Warner Brothers or MGM, somebody to go in on it. But uh, so far, nobody's biting that hook. And that's unfortunate, because I would have loved to have seen a follow-up to that. Oh, yeah, guys, yeah. I really enjoyed those, the first one. Oh, yeah. very, very I, Even I had my girl watch who didn't know any Anvil song, and uh, and she enjoyed it. I, I, I still don't think it made her a fan, but she liked the story. And I, I, I think that's one of those movies you, you don't even have to like Anvil to, to appreciate that movie and just appreciate what they've been through in their story you know very uh very entertaining movie i hope somehow it uh it works out but so far not looking good well that's unfortunate and i and i and i gotta say it again if anybody that knows me knows me that knows me uh knows that uh i have been an anvil fan way before that album came out now i admit i kind of lost track with them but i've always been a fan of uh forge and fire and metal on metal even when i was a little kid i and i still own the original vinyls i even bought back then so when i they, you know they announced uh anvil was coming out with a documentary i got really excited going oh cool this is like unexpected and then it came out great and it, and it did help them a lot but you know a lot of people are like oh anvil sucks the only reason they uh, anything is because of the movie it's like yeah well you know you kind of suck too because you don't have the fucking drive Lips and Rob Reiner have that never fucking gave up. And I love that about bands. Like, a good example is also Cheap Trick. Even though Cheap Trick is, is much bigger and were huge at one point, they came, they went to the lowest of the lows and still never broke up. And I, I, I really applaud bands that just stick it out. You know, uh, and stick it out with most members. Like, bands that stick it out with one original member, eh, you know. But, you know, Anvil was a, a trio. And... Uh, well, for a while, they, they were a trio. And, um, and two of the three are still around, so i got to respect that. You know? and, 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 and on top of that, you know, they're, they're a band that never really uh, were huge. They were always you know, like a third-tier band, and they still stuck it out. And, you know, and I love them for that, and I love Anvil, and I met them, and they're very nice people. Rob Reiner needs to shower. No, I mean, I shouldn't say that, man. Maybe it was that day he didn't shower. You know, I know what it's like to be on the road. There's days I didn't shower. You know, so, but boy, did he stink that night. But, I mean, stunk as far as smelling. He did a drum solo that, oh, my God, my, my balls hit up in my urethra. Oh, I was I was blown away when I saw him. And, uh, you know, I got to hang out with him before the show and after. But, man, that guy on drums, holy fucking shit. You want to talk about underappreciated. I mean, he is a beast. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. All right, yeah. What else we got? 
All right. Well, Phil Anselmo says he found one in unreleased Pantera song uh, in his possession. It's an instrumental uh, and said it was one that just never got flushed out. And it's more like some riffs and stuff. Now, if this will see the light of the day, I don't know. I mean, they really, unless they start going backwards, they have one more 20th anniversary they can do, and that's with... Uh, uh, reinventing the steel. Well, when was this uh, unreleased song recorded? Uh, During what era? I don't know if they say. Well, yeah, that'd be cool uh, if he had some vocals and put it on the reinventing the steel one regardless. Well, the way he makes it sound like, you know, it's like some riffs going back and forth. I don't know if it's something that could be made into a cohesive song or not. And it's probably something, if they were, you know, it would take... It would probably take all, you know, three of the remaining members to to kind of gel something. I don't know if Vinnie Paul would be interested in that or not. Uh, now, I know that they all have had input on these remasters, but, like, they, you, you know, like, the, the other two guys have no contact with Vinnie Paul. and straight through lawyers and people submit, like, pictures and stuff like that, but there's still no contact with Vinnie Paul. I guess he's back now, though. He's not even talking to Rex. And I, I think that could be due to some of the shit Rex said in his book. Uh, I, I haven't read no, it. No, actually, I, he already hated Rex for joining down. Yeah, but but I mean, he he allowed he allowed Rex to come to Dime's funeral, and he didn't allow. Uh, oh, was that what he no. was in down? Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, yeah, he he let Rex come, but he he holds Phil, you know, personally responsible for the murder. So what an idiot. That is such a stupid thing to, to, to I mean, obviously the guy did not kill Dime because, uh, you know, Phil said I'd beat him severely in a magazine. Right. You know, well, and, and a lot of people don't see, you know, and, I, and probably on YouTube, I have it on, on, on video, of Dime and Vinny calling him a fucking uh, junkie. You know, with right. the damage plan days. They were going back and forth, so it's like, come on, you know? Right, and, and you know, but... I, I could never put myself in Vinny Paul's shoes, but I can. I think what he's really getting at that is, if Phil never would have pulled this shit, you know, they never would have been playing shitty clubs like that, and that something like that never could have happened. Well, now, I'll give I'll give him that, but hey, you know, Phil just didn't want to do it, and I uh, and let me tell you something. During those days, I was very disappointed in Phil to tell you the truth. But you know what, dude? To tell you the truth, I saw it coming. I did see it coming during the Pantera days. I kind of felt like, dude, this guy is waning too much into the brutal. Because he also had, what was that, Christ Inversion. And yeah. uh, he had all these side projects that were very dark and brutal shit. You know, where, you know, I mean, you can right. think Van Pantera is brutal, but dude, this shit made that shit sound like fucking Ario Speedwagon, the the, the, the ballad dude. The wheels right. are turning crap. You know, so, <laughs> <coughs> so you know, I, I that's, and I was kind of, I saw it coming, but I still was upset because I loved Pantera so much. And even, dude, to tell you the truth, the reinventing steel, I was like, oh, wow, Phil's still in. Phil's still on, you know? But uh, right. I saw, I did see it coming. I hope, you know, well, no, not that I hope, but it would be nice. I know you would hope because you're, you're a heartless bastard. But it would be nice if, hell yeah, we just fucking go away already. So Vinnie Paul can go broke and fucking start releasing some Pantera shit. So he can make some money, you know, somehow. 
Yeah, I would really love to see the early Pantera stuff, you know, remastered. Because, you know, even I've got, you know, bad copies I've got off the internet. And, you know, not the greatest sounded. I'd love to hear that shit touched up. But they just like to, uh, you know, just pretend it didn't happen. And that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we get to hear this song on the next one. And then, like, like you said, hopefully, uh, you know... Someday they go back and get all the other shit. But, in the meantime, I'm a little upset because my get-rich-quick scheme just fell to pieces. Oh, what was that? Well, I was going to try to get a lot of shit signed by Bobby Dahl. Oh, and, man, you fucked up. Oh, man, because I was like, I knew if I could just get him to sign, like, uh, you know, my native tongue long box <laughs> you know I could quit this fucking 9 to 5 shit and just relax on the beach somewhere you know I wouldn't even have to worry about going on a diet I could get like liposuction and shit and just keep drinking <coughs> but alas now Bobby Dahl uh, will not sign more than one item because people will go to eBay and they will get rich off of that. <clears throat> yeah, he's he's very delusional. I, I'll tell you, there are people like that though, because uh, I've seen it firsthand um, when um, Anthrax during "We Came for You All" tour, uh, they were playing some little club, and you know they were pissed. I, I, they they drove up in a van. Maybe the van picked them up at the airport. Maybe they weren't touring in the van. I can't say, but they drove up in a van. And I know this guy that does that. He just hangs around and gets autographs from people. This fucking, this fucking asshole didn't even go in the show. He just showed up outside to get autographs and then left. Well, what happened, and I went into the show, so what happened was when he went, after he um, got the autographs, he went to Denny's with a friend of mine who also didn't go to the show. That guy just goes to shows. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a, he's a seller too. So they go to the show and they're looking at the album and, and Charlie Bonani signed the State of Euphoria album as Paul Stanley. <laughs> because he knew the guy was a fake, you know? Oh, and, wow. and I put up a video today of Ted Nugent. And Ted Nugent does it right, though. This is what Ted Nugent does. Ted Nugent, I mean, you can tell these guys a hundred miles away, they're doing it to sell it. And Ted Nugent's looking at him, he's like, all right, I'll do it 20 bucks for two albums. Then this guy had a guitar, he's like, hundred bucks. I'll sign it. And he's like, hey, man, I'm only making 10%. I know how much this shit's going for. I'm only making 10%. So, you know, and then these guys, come on, how about five albums for $20? No. No. This and that. And then he looks at me, you ain't communist, are you? <laughs> you know? And, uh, but, you know, but that's, this is the way to avoid all these motherfuckers. It's very simple. All these autograph hounds is what you do. It is what I do, but to tell you the truth, I don't do this because of that. I do that because I appreciate anybody that comes up to me to ask me for an autograph. And I know nobody's going to sell a Dr. Fuck autograph. Come on. Let's get reality here. And um, and uh, what do you call... Um, <clears throat> this is the way to, to, to make it worthless. Sign it with the guy's name. When the guy hands you an album, say, um, what's your name? Uh, and oh yeah, well my name. Uh, don't sign my name on it. Then I'd then if I was Ted Nugent or or, or Bobby Dahl because he's so anal, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm not gonna sign it unless I put your name on it. 
And I think that would be the righteous thing to do because, at, or I'll sign it without putting your name, but give me a profit. Give me 10 bucks. I mean, this is, you know, because the bottom line is I can sit here and go, dude, it only takes a second to write an autograph. But that's not true because I happen to, I know it takes, it takes like an hour or so because you're not only signing one autograph, you know, you're, you're surrounded by a lot of people that want a lot of autographs, but personalize it. And it won't be worth shit unless you find somebody online with your same name, you know. Right. So, so there you go. That that would be. But yeah, Bobby Doll is pretty delusional, and I've heard, and I've heard he's kind of a dick. But you know, I I, I can't really like, you know, confirm. I, I would be kind of skeptical of buying anything that I didn't get signed myself. Because I mean, how do you really know for sure that that's an authentic autograph? You know. I, I would oh, oh, which again, I got to bring up this. I knew a guy, and th I think I told the story before, the karma story. Remember the guy that faked a back injury, and he got a lot of money for it. He bought a record store. He bought his data catalog. He bought himself an SUV, and he ended up, the last thing I, because uh, of the money, he uh, a fake back injury, by the way, because we played football while he was waiting to go to court. And... Um, the last thing I heard about him was he was in Texas selling all his records from the record store at a, at a, a flea market. That's karma. Well, when the guy had a record store, he forged himself a Paul McCartney CD. And he did it perfectly, dude. Perfectly. Because he showed, he goes, look, look, this is a real uh, Paul McCartney, you know, it was in a magazine. And look, look at this one. It looks identical. I did it myself. He was like bragging about it. I'm not sure if he ever sold it. But I know he was selling it for an insane amount of money. And, uh, yeah, so people can forge and get away with it. Man, if anybody wants to forge a Dr. Fuck one, that's extremely simple. My, my, my autograph is very simple. It's like, you know, I intertwine the two Ks. and Yeah. Anyway. You know, you know what I saw on eBay was uh, Ricky Rocket's ex-girlfriend, and her face was signed by Richie Kotzen. <laughs> Yeah! Damn, dude, stop drinking, Ian! You're funnier, dude! But I, I didn't have the 20 bucks. So <laughs> I, I had to let it go. Alright. Uh, Metallica's Hardwired to Self-Destruct has controversially went platinum. Yeah, I, I, I know the story. Well, we talked about this already, how it sold. Well, well, yeah, we, we talked we talked about how it re-entered the charts, but now this is this is, you know, counting towards, uh, you know, they're calling it a platinum. And another thing they do now, which I think is total bullshit. I think they started this maybe ten years ago or so. If it's a double album, every sale counts as two. Untrue. That has been going on forever. Like really? Phantom comes alive, Kiss alive. All that was marked as two albums sold, even in the 70s. That is really? true. Yes, it is. That is not nothing recent. That has always been the case. It may even be, maybe even the, the fucking White Album. I don't know. But I know for sure, because I remember reading an, uh, an article on some magazine about how, and this is back in the 80s, how Phantom Comes Alive sold double, it, I mean, has been listed double than what it actually sold because it's a double album. 
Oh, I did not. I thought that was a recent thing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And now that you're sober, you remember I told you this. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. I, makes me want to drink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it not only does it count because of it being the double album, but uh, as we talked about in the last one, now everybody who buys a ticket gets one. They didn't buy the album. They bought a ticket. Well, here's you know? the deal on that, though. Here's the deal on that. If you buy a ticket, right, right, they send you an email saying, hey, would you like an album? And if you write back on, yeah, send it to me. Here's my address. That's kind of like somebody wanting the album, right? So that kind of counts. Yeah, I don't I don't. To me, it's like you want you wanted to go see them live and they're offering you a free hey, album. Hey, hey, I said kind of. <laughs> right, but I, I mean, hey, you know, and I'm not... You know, I'm not trying to piss on Metallica either. I think they made a great album, and 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 it, to me, it truly deserves to be platinum. Uh, you know, especially considering what they came back from. But uh, man, let, let, let's call a spade a spade. They'd be lucky if that thing actually sold gold, which man really tells you where record sales are. You know what and I it, want? You know what I want to go platinum? The next chick I bang. I, I need a platinum blonde chick. It's been a <laughs> while. It's been since like the '80s. Since I fucked a Vince Neil looking bitch. Oh. Well, let's, well. Shout the devil. Shout the devil era of Vince Neil, by the way. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, he well, was that's fine what I, that's and flat chested. <laughs> I, I, I look like Vince Neil now. I'm trying to get into Shout at the Devil era of Vince Neil. Yeah. And that's, a, I, that's a terrible thing. That's how my, my old lady always tells people about me. She describes me. She goes, he looks like Vince Neil now. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh shit! It'd thanks. be great if you get down to Vince Neil weight and show up at the fucking convention with the shout the devil outfit. No, even better yet, the fucking theater paint outfit with the pink little fucking uh, what is it? The little panties and shit. Oh, I'll show God. up as Nikki Six as as uh as Steven Tyler if you do that. <laughs> I'll get some scarves to put on my mic. All right. All right. Um. Peter Chris is explaining his decision to stop performing live. He said, if I'm going to do it, I got to do it now. Shit, you should have done it 20 years ago, if you ask me. Well, but, again, supply and demand. You know, he's, he's, he's charging an insane amount of money to see it. And you know what? People are going to pay. Oh, yeah. And the oh, people oh, that well, can't pay are going to bitch about it. Well, fuck you. There's people that work hard, made their money, or have... Really rich parents that worked hard at some point, and and you know you were born into it, whatever, man. It this supply and demand. Let me put it this way: everybody out there that bitching about it, if you can make a lot of money doing some bobo shit like Peter Chris is doing, you do it. Unless you're Bill Ward. But I don't right. see it as ripping off fans. I really don't, man, because ripping off fans is like you know Peter Chris putting a gun to your head, going. Come to my show and pay the money. Then that's ripping off fans. Hey, man, you either pay or you don't, you know? Nobody rides for free like the great Bobby Blotzer once drummed to. Well, I, I wouldn't, you know, classify it really as, like, ripping off the fans. But I think when, when you put the price range so high that you alienate a lot of your audience, uh, I, I, I think that, I mean, it's... I mean, I guess as long as you come out like Gene Simmons and say, hey, I'm doing this purely for the fucking money. I don't give a shit about you people, period. I'm just trying to pay rent. If you put it like that, that's fine. But, you know, if, if, if you're going to come out there and say, 
Oh, I'm doing this one last time for my fans. He did say that? No, I I, I don't know because I don't give a shit. I, I, I wouldn't pay fucking 30 bucks to go see Peter Chris now. But what, what, what I'm saying is, though, you know, if... You know, if that's your whole, like, I'm, one last time for my fans, but if you make it so, like, only, like, 1% of your fan base can afford to come see you, they, they, they just come out and say, hey, fuck, I need money. You, you know, you're you're not doing it for the fans. You're doing it for you. And, and don't get me wrong, everybody deserves to get paid for what they do. I mean, you are doing something you deserve compensation but if you jack it up that much, I mean, I mean, you're you're not doing it for the fans at true, all. True, true. But there are fans that'll pay it, so therefore that's oh, why. Oh, they, oh yeah. That's why they don't do this shit to lose money. You know, oh, they yeah. do it because they know it's he. It's gonna sell. Mark my fucking words. It's gonna sell out. And I remember I saw the price tag on it, and I'm one of you fans that are like, "Fuck, I can't afford this shit. I can't." Like the Scorpions, it's like I could afford it, but at the same time, I don't. I feel like. It should have been cheaper. I could have. I would have loved to meet Klaus and Rudolph and Matthias. You know, it, it could have been cheaper. So I'm kind of excluded from that group too. But I understand. It is supply and demand. People want it, so you know. But then again, you know, I'm kind of a hypocrite too when it comes to the subject matter because you flip the coin around, then you have Tommy Thayer and everybody saying, "Well, you would do it if you got all the money." I'd be like, "Not really," which I wouldn't. But it's also different too. But there's certain things that, dude, I, I stand by VIP. And then I also, you flip the coin around, I also commend Dave Manichetti, who always comes out saying, we should be paying the fans. I would never charge VIP. I love that too. That's great. That's commendable and great. But at the same time, dude, hey, man, supply and demand, man. It's the American way. Right, but shit, the American way, he's doing one of the shows in Australia. I mean, what... Well, yeah, they got like 10 people in Australia, and five of them are Aborigines. They don't listen to no fucking Peter Chris. Yeah, everybody's flying from America to that one. Yeah, I, I know. Once again, you're even further alienating. But anyway, let's talk to somebody who's uh, going to please some fans, and that's Alice Cooper, who is going to reunite with his original band members for a performance in Nashville, man. And I, I know Sinzak's going to be there for that one. I would hope so, as big a Cooper fan as he is. That's something I would I, I would pay some money to see the original, you know, the surviving members. Yeah, it's still not the original me. But, yeah, I would love to see it as well. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I mean, there's nothing you can do about Glenn Buxton. But, I mean, that Neil Smith, Dennis Dunaway, and Michael Bruce no, I would love I would love to see that. Don't get me wrong. You know, oh, my God. And, and you know, we've both seen Alice in the last couple of years still performing and singing at the top of his game. Uh, so man, that would be something, and and especially you know for I I love all Cooper for the most part, uh, but to me there's nothing like you know the, the original yeah, man. Alice to go Cooper see band. the original Alice Cooper band with a set list of just the original Alice Cooper band stuff. Hell yeah, I would love yeah. to see that. Fuck yeah, no no I'm not yeah. I'm not bashing that at all, but you know at the same time it's like I I if I was to see it I'd still walk out saying well I didn't really see the original lineup you know i saw most right. the original lineup you know but that's just me but i would love to see it yeah and i paid top dollar for that as well shit i mean i i didn't pay but man i had the experience to meet alice cooper on vip i got a free vip thing and you know i was up on stage with alice cooper too and that was i believe i could be wrong that cost 300 bucks 
And let me tell you something. What a great experience that was. A free t-shirt. Uh, a fucking um, a little diploma to show that I was in an insane asylum. Got to sit down with Alice Cooper. Spoke with him. He signed as many albums as I wanted. And he talked to me like he was my best friend. Told me Keith Moon stories. I didn't even have to. I didn't even fucking ask him about Keith Moon. You know? And, and telling me the story like when he opened the Killers album. He showed me the. Because I had the original Killers. I had the calendar. And he showed me, like, you know, Alice Cooper hanging. He's like, did you know this was hanging in the White House during the Nixon administration? I was like, damn. You know, I mean, the guy was just beyond fucking cool. And that was only 300 bucks, dude. And a lot of people like, 300 bucks. But that's because, you know, you all fucking, you all fucking flip fly, flip, flip, blah, blah, blah. Uh, fry flies. Fry, fry flies. <laughs> Can you believe yeah. it? I'm the guy with the money here. <laughs> Can't even pronounce fucking words. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, I should start another I, podcast on my own. How I fuck? I just pronounce everybody's name wrong. No, oh, I'm sorry. That's already taken. Anyway, I so I prog- I I digress. I was about to say so I progress, <laughs> and I'm sober too. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, all right. Well, next story. Uh, have you seen Robert Trujillo's twelve-year-old son perform with corn? I vague. I watched it a little bit on my phone, and I couldn't really make it out. The audio was terrible, so I can't really. Yeah, I, I, I looked at. There was a. I had to search around to find one where you know the picture was clear and it was like half-ass audible. But I, I did see it. But the funny thing is, is he sounded good. He's playing a three-string bass. So so that just shows you, you know, Korn is like, you know, the king of, oh, we got 27-string guitars, and, and our bass player has eight strings and all this shit, and a 12-year-old just proved you only need three strings to play that crap. That's amazing. But yeah, when yeah. You, have, you have a dad like Robert Trujillo, man, you're going to be, you're, you're going to learn some good shit. Oh, yeah, and the kid was good, and I, you know, in, in one one way, I think it's cool, but in another way, it's like, you get a 12-year-old to replace your bass player. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. I, I And nothing against it. He's probably better than most yeah, you know, adults. No, no, I, he, is, he is better than most and all that shit, but it, it's also fucking, you know, hype. You know, there's a lot of hype behind it. Oh, look, we got, you know, not only, you know, Robert Trujillo's son, but he's only 13. You know, that, that piques a lot of people's interest. You know, to see it, you know. Right. And, and, oh, probably they asked Trujillo. He's like, get the fuck out of here. I ain't playing with you assholes. Hey, uh, my kid ain't doing nothing. Maybe he'll play with you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, but uh, you know, hey, I'd like to I'd like to see what comes of this young young star, man. You know, it's, a, it's awesome to see somebody that young, uh, you know, have that kind of interest. And, uh, you know, shit, I mean, his, his father's amazing. So, uh yeah, hopefully that blossoms into a to a great career for him. Uh, Richie Blackmore says now recording new music with Rainbow. Very excited about that. But then I saw a report yesterday that says he recorded two songs with the new singer. So I don't know. I mean, I, what, what two songs or an album? What's going on here? You know. Uh, that I'm not sure about. Uh, I'm very I don't excited because I love every Rainbow is one of those rare bands where they for me. Have never released a bad album, and but of course I prefer the Dio stuff. 
But I love Down to Earth. I loved all the Joel and Turner albums. I love Stranger Among Us with Doogie. So um, I have faith that this will be good. Plus, this guy, other than Dio, is, I think, the best singer he's had. And Gillen, of course. But I'm talking about Rainbow stuff. This guy's better than Joel Lynn Turner and Graham Bonnet, in my opinion. He's amazing. Well, shit, you're better than Joe Lynn Turner and Graham Bonnet. Hey, come on, man. Don't say that. <laughs> I don't well, like I don't oh, like rubbing oh, in fucking how good I am. Oh, okay. I'm very you're modest. Better than, you're better than Graham Bonnet. <laughs> I'm very modest. Hey, hey. <laughs> but so am I. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, I have a feeling I'll be pleasantly surprised because I have such low expectations. Uh... I, I'm pretty much a Dio purist. I like a song here or there, uh, but but not so much like a full album. And I really didn't care for what I've heard of that uh, Stranger in Us All. Right. Uh, you know, and I've only I've only heard a few songs, so I don't. There might be other shit that I love, but what I heard, I was just like, eh. But it wasn't just. Uh, I I don't want to blame it on, on on Doogie because I I thought musically it just sounded tired. Uh, you know compared to his other shit. Well, it is and, my least favorite of all of them, but I still love it. Right. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't blame it on Doogie. I just think, I, I don't know how much creativity uh, he has in, it left in him, you know, for, for that type of music. I'm, I'm sure he writes totally inspirational fucking uh, gypsy shit or whatever the fuck he does. But uh, but I have very low expectations, so... I enjoy Blackmore's uh, Night, too, uh, though, by the way. Wow. I do. And, you know, it's like I'll sit and listen to an album and then, you know, give it a break. You know, but I, I do enjoy I, I enjoy it a lot. I, I'm a big fan of vocalists and a big fan of, of uh, Blackmore. And Blackmore, when he does that mellow fucking guitar and he does something that kind of, even does some electric solos, I just love his playing so much. And I love Candace's voice. I love her voice. The music is not something I would regularly listen to, but the combination of him and Candace kind of like makes me overlook you know what's going on in the background and i really do enjoy it but yeah fuck come on you know i'll take rainbow and deep purple over that any day shit you know i'll take even lame testament albums over that but you know i think i i progress <laughs> yes you do thank you well that is a perfect segue into our last story and uh that is uh the passing of alan holdsworth Oh my God, that's heartbreaking to me. You know, I met him, and it, and I'm fucking going crazy looking for the picture I took with him. Um, I filmed him, and on the day he passed away, I put up that video. It's two hours and a half. Talon Holsworth was such a sweet, sweet man. He was so nice, British guy, and um, he was. Uh, here, here's the story behind it. There's a guy. There's a band. Uh, they're still around, but they haven't done anything forever. They're called Agora. They're like a prog band. And I'm very good friends with Santiago, which well, Santiago will be on my solo album. Uh, he's one of the greatest guitar shredders in the planet. I mean, look into... I don't think you'll like... Well, maybe you will. Who knows? Check out Agora. Anybody out there, check out Agora. It's very prog, and it's uh, like... Uh, it's not instrumental. It has a female vocalist, but it's very um, uh, adventurous, you know, and... But the guitar playing this guy does is so shreddy and beautiful. And I love Santiago. And, and he's an amazing human being. He's very uh, in tune with himself. I wish I I look up to this guy because I've never seen him angry. He's like one of those in tune with himself. He's kind of like, he's into like, the, 
I guess Buddha or some shit like that. He's into martial arts and all that shit. But he's an amazing player, and he financed uh, Alan Holdsworth to come down here to play the show and Agora Open. And Alan Holdsworth couldn't have been a nicer guy since, you know, I'm friends with Santiago. He treated me so well. And I even asked for permission to film. And he was like, oh, yeah, of course. And this is back in 2003, four, where bootlegging was a bad word. And, you know, I didn't want to film him unless he gave me permission. So I asked, so oh, it's okay if I film you? He's like, oh, go right ahead. Uh, th and even thank, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to film me, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's up on YouTube. Uh, type in Alan Holdsworth. My my um, my YouTube page on that one is just Ralph Vieira. And you can see a two-hour-and-a-half uh, show with the guy. And it's, oh, my God, he was just so, so amazing. Uh, what a great player. Jazz fusion, but amazing. Well, you, you know, one thing I, I think we both agree on that we cannot stand is when, like, you know, the minute somebody's dead, then everybody's like, oh, he's yeah. he was the greatest. I was the biggest fan of all time. I have to admit, I've never heard any of this guy's stuff. Now, I knew the name. I knew the name through years of, you know, buying issues of Guitar World and stuff like that. I always saw the name and respect, but I've never heard one bit of his music. But I've heard nothing but good. And I like... I like a lot of like Jeff Beck era jazz fusion stuff, so I probably dig it, and uh, I'll definitely check some out. But you know, I can't say you know it's a shame he passed. But seriously, I've never heard the guy, but I've heard nothing but great about him. The first time I ever heard of Alan Holdsworth was around '81, '82, where Eddie Van Halen would not stop talking about him. It was his favorite player at that time, and and. Um, and I soon after, the, well, no, not soon, like maybe five, six years. It was like maybe 90 or 89. I bought his album, IOU. I saw it in a record store. And there are times, I don't play it that often because, you know, Jazz Fusion is something I love to watch live. I don't like listening at home, but I do listen to the album once in a blue. And it's really good. I mean, if, you, if you're into like guitar playing, and what I understand since I'm not a guitar player and I've heard it from Santiago and, and uh, a lot of people there's things that guy can play that nobody can do he was insane he was an insane player that would do these things on guitar that nobody can do you know and, that, and that's you know anybody can do Eddie Van Halen not anybody but you know if you're really good you can do whatever guitar player out there but there's certain things that guy but I can't tell you what it is you know looking at right. him I'm just like wow man this guy's so good but I can't really say oh that part there nobody can do you know because I don't know you know but him, right. and there's another guy that very unsung and never heard of, and I got to bring up him, and he did pass away, but he passed away well over 10 years ago, and I think technically he's the most amazing guitar player I've ever seen in my life. Never, unfortunately, saw him live, but you can look him up on YouTube. His name is Sean Lane. Holy fuck was that guy. That guy played like insane. Very overweight guy. There is video, there's actually video of him with Buckethead, really early Buckethead. But that guy was amazing. I believe Alan Lane at one time performed with Primus. I, I know Buckethead did, but I think Alan Lane did as well. I know Alan... Oh, no, 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 no. Alan Lane played with... Uh, I think mean, it was the Almond Brothers. He said his name was Sean Lane. Sean Lane, I'm sorry. Sean Lane. Well, what, what, what I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he's related to Jay Lane, because Jay Lane 
was the original drummer in Primus and the drummer in Sausage, and then he came back to Primus. I don't know if they're related or not. Uh, that I don't know, but that's somebody I really recommend. If you're into guitar shredding, this yeah. is the one guy that nobody knows about, really. I mean, only if you're a guitar shredder. Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Turned me on to Sean Lane, and uh, holy my, my God. And you know, I also want to bring up somebody that I think is extremely fucking amazing too was when I went to New York and saw fucking Vinnie Moore. I mean, I've seen him before, but god damn, that guy can play too. I can go on and on, but fuck that. That ain't about them. It's about the great, um, it's a great, great Alan Hallsworth, and and I'm very sad. I mean, I, I can't say I'm a big fan, but I love seeing Demiola and McLaughlin. I love seeing all that shit live. You know, I'm not like a big fan where I sit home and listen to that. You know, there's a lot of, and I feel that way about a lot of death metal bands. There's like dying, not dying fetus. I don't like that band. Um, Goat Whore. I love Goat Whore Live. I just can't listen to it at home. If I'm going to put on some death metal, it's got to be old, like Slowly We Rot, or Blessed Are the Sick, or, you know, some early, you know, Scream Bloody Death, and even The Chasm, too, to one point. But, you know, um, which is a little later. But, uh, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Alan Lane. Uh, you know, I did have the pleasure of meeting him. I know I have a picture with him somewhere. I'm going to have to look through, because this was back in the day of disposable cameras. So maybe it's one of those pictures I never got around to scanning. Because there's a lot of people that I've met that I haven't scanned. But I own like a quadrillion pictures, and it'll take me forever to find that picture. But I do have a picture with, with fucking uh, um, Alan Holdsworth. It, it's probably stuck inside your seventh son of a seventh son long box. <laughs> I'll never find that then. <laughs> All right. Not for sale, well. by the way. Well, it's about time we get into it. This week, it is for the awesome Eric Cinnamon, a hometown friend of mine. And he donated to the expo, and he wanted the Doors LA Woman. And we also have a special guest from the Rock and or Roll podcast, BJ Cramp, joins us for this one. Let's get into the Doors LA Woman. Let it roll, baby, roll. Oh, man, our special guest this week is... <laughs> BJ Kahuna from yeah. Rock and or Roll Podcast. My new favorite guy, man. Yeah, yes. BJ. Hey, hey guys, BJ, what's up? BJ, are you sick and tired of people calling you the big Kahuna? <laughs> well, no, that was the joke. <laughs> was oh, the name, but... oh, I thought that was your real last name. Oh, no, it's not my real uh, last name. <laughs> well, you, you should know. I wish. You should know, just so you know a little bit about me. His real last name is Finkelstein. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah, he's one of those those ashamed to be Jewish guys. Gordon uh, Shumway is my real name. <laughs> but, you know, one thing you should know about me, BJ, is that I am an idiot. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, yeah, I, say I've listened to enough episodes to figure that <laughs> thank out. Thank you, thank you. See, I got my point across. Mm. So... This week we're reviewing the 1943 album from The Doors. <laughs> yes, uh, 1971 album, and this is... Wait, 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 wait. 71? Didn't he die in 70? No, 71. Oh. I think he died two months after this album. Three months. Yeah, three okay. months, yes. Is it true that Jim Morrison, Janet Joplin, and, and Jimi Hendrix all died in the same month? Well, no, no, they were all 27. They're okay. in the 20, 27 club. Okay. Yeah, same with Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. Yeah, a lot. yeah. Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. Right, right. Yeah. Men at Work's career. Yes. Yeah, no, they didn't make it to 27. No, no. 
They got dropped by the label. They, they, they didn't even make it through the Vegemite sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Uh, but, so, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ian. You I, know I, more about this, this than I do. Well, I want to say this was bought and paid for by our loyal listener, Eric Cinnamon. And he uh, donated to the Rock and uh, Pod Expo. And he picked this episode. And Eric's been a, a long time listener to the show and contributes on, on the Facebook page. And I just want to say thank you. And I, for one, am glad that he picked this album because uh, I am a huge Doors fan. Uh, <laughs> But, I, you know, I think it's interesting. You know, we are the rock and metal. Uh, you know, we, we've done some classic rock. We've done some Beatles. We've done a couple of Beatles. We've done Stones. We've done The Who. And uh, and I think... We've done each were... other. Yes, yes. And each other's mothers. Yes. And, and you know, we both got BJs for BJ. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I think this fits in the wheelhouse. And uh, I'm excited to do this one. So thank you, Eric, not only for contributing to the expo, but uh, for being a loyalist. I want to thank Eric, too, because uh, I don't know anything about The Doors, and, and there was three songs that I knew off this album. But believe it or not, there's a couple of songs I was like, hey, this ain't bad, man. So uh, thank you for turning me on to some Doors. I, I thank him, not you. You never sent me this fucking Ian. I mean, Mr. X. Oops. I mean, yes, I, I mean, he did. <laughs> All right, so uh, you want to get into it? Well, I mean, first, let's let's do it like we normally do and, and talk about how we all of us first, you know, discovered the doors and yeah. what they mean to us. And, okay. And, and this will be interesting <laughs> because uh, before we record this episode, I, I sent a message to the great BJ Kahuna and said, hey, do you, do you like the doors? He's like, absolutely not. I was like, awesome. Would you like to do a Doors episode with us? <laughs> uh, because people love it when people have different opinions. So, uh, uh, BJ, can you first tell us, like, when you first experienced the Doors and and maybe a little history of why you don't like them? I don't know when I first experienced them, uh, but you know, growing up in the '80s, as I as I know you did, Ian, as well. I think we're almost exactly the same age. So yeah. the Doors had somehow. In the 80s, they had somehow attained this, like, legendary status. And Jim Morrison was, like, this icon. And everybody had Doors shirts. And everybody thought the door just worshipped the Doors, at least is how it seemed. And I didn't like the music at all. And so I think not liking the music and then seeing the way they were treated as this, you know, legendary and iconic, I think I just had a reaction to that and was just like, fuck the Doors. What's so great about the fucking Doors? I hate the Doors, you know, and that... So that's just how I felt growing was, up. Was your was your father a fan or no, no? My dad didn't like any music, so. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, I, my introduction to the Doors was probably you know on some uh, cable commercial for some you know two CD set for two okay. easy payments of nineteen ninety five. You know. So so, 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 so you, you didn't get music handed down to you from your parents, really? Nope, no. My uncle was the person for that, but he was all heavy metal. Kiss and heavy metal. He wasn't a Doors guy. Okay, right on. When were you born? 74. Yeah. February. Fuck your old! Yeah, I'm base 74, so yeah, we're right there. But, uh, alright, well, I can can get that. I mean, if you weren't raised on them and, you know, you hear all this stuff and you're a little let down. Uh, but Ralph, you're a little bit older than this. Uh, older than us, and, uh... A little. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. Nine I'm years, tra- buddy. I'm, I'm trying to be nice, Grandpa. Um, <laughs> Get so, off my lawn. So, so what, what, what about you? Did your brother turn you out of the doors, or did you just? I mean, because I know you, I know your parents did. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, um, no. My brother, as far as I know, is not a big Doors fan either. Um, I don't remember exactly how I discovered Doors, but I do remember seeing that iconic picture of, you know, the 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 book cover of No One Gets Out Alive right. with his arms spread. I remember always seeing that in Cream magazine, like that picture. I think it's my first memory of the Doors, and it must have been Light Your Fire. You know, listening to the radio. I'm sure, like, a, a plethora of Doors songs. Because even in the 70s, they were all over the radio. I remember Light Your Fire, Touch Me, which I love that song, Touch Me. Because uh, it reminds me of this whole priest I used to see it. And, um, and uh, gee, is this mic on? Hello? <laughs> anyway, so, um, and, uh, but I was never really a big Doors fan, but... It seemed like every girl I've dated loved the Doors. And just about every girl that, this is once I've moved out of my parents' house, every girl that I would see that had their own apartment, just about all of them had a Jim Morrison poster. And, and it's that iconic picture too with his arms spread. And, uh, but to tell you the truth, I wasn't like BJ where it's like, oh, I can't stand them, but uh, I just couldn't really dive into them that well. So I even tried, and I still own it to this day, the double uh, greatest hit CD thing. Uh, and and I just and out of all those songs, you know, there's a couple of the hits that I kind of like. One's on here, but the one song, the deep track that I heard that to this day is my favorite Door song is a Crystal Ship. That was the one song that I was like, ooh, I like that one. But love- still, the greatest hits package did not compel me enough to go buy the rest of their catalog. You know what I mean? Because it was just one song out of, you know, a bunch, you know, because I didn't like the end or, you know, the, the one that, you know, everybody points at, like, you know, the epic, you know, father, I want to kill you. Mother, I want to, oh, my baby. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's just kind of boring to me, but I didn't actually hate it. It's one of those things where, like what you said about Queenie, and it's like, you know, you respect it, but you can't get into it. You know what I mean? Right, and, and and I respect that. Um, you know, my, mine's a little different because my dad worshipped the Doors. and Like, Jim Morrison uh, was to him what David Lee Roth is to me, like the quintessential rock star, uh, you know, front man. And, you know, it, it's, it's odd that I love the Doors as much as I do, though, because, you know, there's three things that I just really really fucking detest uh sammy hagar sammy hagar and po and poetry uh i do not like poetry uh you know and a lot of you know jim's lyrics are it is abstract poetry and i don't get what 90 percent of door songs are about i i i haven't a fucking clue if i told you i knew what it was about i'd be lying through my ass but when I hear that voice sing it, it doesn't matter what the fuck he's saying. He could be saying there's only one way to rock. And I would be like, oh, that's genius. That's great. You know, that sounds really cool. Uh, I just love Morrison. I love the whole, you know, stigma about it. I get, he just had something that is rock star uh, all over him. And it, it was more than just a look. It, it, 
but he, I mean, he had the look. Uh, you know, maybe you know, right until right before the end, he got a little bloated. But I mean, he just had that aura, and he had that voice, and just stood out. And uh, I totally get why he's worshipped the way he is. But uh, like I said, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I know what the fuck he's talking about because I don't. But I am a huge, huge Doors fan, and uh, man. This is this is a review where I kind of went back and forth on what kind of take I wanted to do on it. Part of me is like, it's such an important album and such an important band that I want to give like every like minuscule detail. But then there, you know, another part of me is just I just want to give like a from the gut how I feel about this song outlook on it too. You know, where it's like you don't have to bog it down with details and every last nuance. It just, you know, does this song grab you? And if it does, what do you love about it? And that's, you know, I'm going to throw in, you know, some shit I know about it. But for the most part, I just want to give a gut-wrenching review of how I feel about the songs. All right, cool. Uh, you know, one thing I didn't know, Ian, is that The Doors released albums without Jim Morrison soon after he died, right? Or in the yeah. 70s. Well, actually, they they released an album the year he died. They released two albums. What? In in seventy one, yeah. Uh, this this album came out in April of seventy one, and other voices. The first album they did with album came out in October of seventy one. Who was their singer then? Uh, they, they split. Ray Manzarek sang some songs. Uh, Robbie Krieger sang sang some, and I don't know if John Densmore did or not. But uh, they, they did two albums. They they did other voices, and they did full circle in '72 until they just said, "Yeah, yeah, this ain't working." Without you know, it'd be it'd be like Van Halen without David Lee Roth. It, it's gonna suck, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. So so I I don't I don't care what BJ's husband thinks. Fifty one fifty is horrible, and so is all the other stuff that came after. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they tried it without him, but man, without... I mean, he was he was the draw of the band, and I, I don't mean that to take away from from the others because I think they all excelled at what they did. I mean, I love Ray Manzarek's keyboards and, and the organy way it is. It's like, I really hate keyboards, but I like true piano, and I like, like, organ kind of, you know, like, like John Lord kind of thing or... or uh, Josh Silver from Typo Negative, you know, like like I love that kind of shit, but I don't want to hear fucking like whoever played keyboards for fucking Europe. I don't like that shit. But I like, yeah, but uh, John Densmore was a very abstract jazzy drummer. I love that, and and Robbie Krieger brought I, I feel a lot to the table too. Was Robbie but, Krieger also the bass player on the album? No, no, on the early albums they really didn't have a bass player. Uh, a lot of it was played like bass pedals, you know, on, on the keys by uh, by uh, Ray Manzarek. But on this album, and uh, you know, you, you should uh, you should appreciate this. Uh, the bass was done by Elvis's bass player Jerry uh, Sharif. Yeah, I think it's is is, is how yeah, you pronounce that's, that. That's how you pronounce it. I believe. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and Jim Morrison was a huge uh, Elvis fan. Wow. And you know, yeah, it's legendary. I hate Elvis. Yes, I hate Elvis. But Jim Morrison uh, loved Elvis, and he was very excited to have uh, 
uh, Jerry play on this. And, and you know, it, the later albums, this one, Morrison Hotel, they were having bass players come in to fill it out. But for the most part, in the early days, it was just the bass part, parts were played basically by pedals by Ray Manzarek. Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, uh, let's get into the song. I, I want BJ to start this. He is the guest. Yes. So, BJ, what do you think of the Changeling? Uh, horrible, repetitive shit is what I wrote down. <laughs> wow. Interesting. You know, Very I, insightful. Uh, <laughs> well, there's, there's two key quotes that I picked out from Wikipedia for the Wikipedia page for this album that I think sum it up. Uh, the first is, the band began recording without much material and needed to compose songs on the spot. And the other quote is, the album was finished in six days. So those two, that's not a good mix for making an album <laughs> from my point of view. Because right. you're going to end up with a song like this, which it sounds like they made it up and recorded it on the spot uh, to me. Mm. And and that pounding on that fucking organ is just not, doesn't work for me. I'm, just, I'm not a fan of boring blues songs like this, you know, so... There's a lot of them on this record, too, that are just, to me, very generic-sounding songs that don't really go anywhere. You heard that, Ian? So, yeah, not, not a great album opener. <laughs> Ouch. Yep. Oh, I, well, no, I, I hear what he says, and, uh, hey, that's his opinion. Yeah, that's right. What do you think? My husband you? agrees, too. <laughs> yeah, his husband agrees. <laughs> oh, Lord. No Jim Morrison poster in his house, huh, when you first went and banged him? <laughs> Yeah, no, but there, there, there is a signed uh, Black Velvet Paul Lynn poster. <laughs> oh God, oh, that's uh, rare. He's dead. To, to me, to me, what an opener. Uh, I love this song. Yeah, I love. Uh, it almost has like a church feel to it. The way it builds up, uh, like he's just preaching, you know. And I love the I've had money, I've had none, you know. He's been there, he's seen it, he's done it. Uh, and, and just the build-up and the screams and bellows of Morrison on this one. Uh, I love it. And I'm not like a church music kind of guy, but I just love the way it builds up and the stop and you're like, you know, like the clapping. And I, I think it's a very, very epic and effective way to start off the album. I'm a big fan of The Change. Love it. What do you think, Ralph? I like it a lot. And it was the first time I ever heard it. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes me now want to look into the deeper songs, you know. I think it's got a good groove. And I like Jim's Jim's voice. It sounds grittier than than all the songs I've heard. And uh, it's just different. And it does, I just, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was like, ooh, look, here's another door song I can add on my little list of door songs I like. And uh, I liked it. I thought it was a cool tune. Uh, I'll well, take the next. Well, go ahead. What? Well, I was just gonna say, uh, they they started building. You know, you, you said you liked the way uh, it was gruff, his voice and everything. They really started building on that with the album that preceded this, Morrison Hotel, because on their fourth album, the Soft Parade, was uh, basically like a Use Your Illusions or you know something where they threw in like every instrument there was. And there were so many takes; it was so overproduced, and uh, and the it's definitely their weakest album, even by you know admitted. What's the course. hit on that one? Yeah, 
Uh, I said, what's the hit uh, on that one? Uh, Touch Me. Touch Me. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, that that was the only hit. But even that, there's a ton of bells and whistles on Touch Me. Yeah, I like that uh, song. Compared to their other stuff. But it was such a, like, they hated the whole experience because the producer, Paul Radchild, made him do take after take. And, uh, you know, they really didn't like that. So starting with Morrison Hotel, the album that came after that, they really started to get back to what they started out at is, you know, rhythm and blues, you know, with like the whole poetry angle. And they just took that and magnified it with this album. And uh, and you could really, you know, you could hear it in Morrison's delivery. He really just wanted to make a good blues album. And in my, my opinion, he did it. Maybe not in uh, BJ's, but uh, in my opinion, uh, he really got what he was going after. But uh, why don't you talk about the next one, uh, Lover Madly, Ralph? Uh, I know this one, and I, I've always liked this song. Vocals have a really cool Danzig vibe to it. Uh, I think uh, Jim should pay royalties to Danzig, to tell you the truth, for this song. But, you know, he died after recording this, actually, and I think he faked his death not to pay Danzig. Uh, I really like uh, Lover Madly. It's, you know, it's a song I'm familiar with, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's a good song. I dig it. What do you think, BJ? Yeah, this song is all right. It's one of the few Doris songs that I kind of like, but... Um... I'm gonna blow your I'm gonna blow your mind right now, okay? Because <laughs> uh, I used to think that this song was clever, like I thought there was really good wordplay in it. And then when I started talking to other people about it, I realized that nobody else agreed with me that that's what even was happening. So you know, in the chorus, he says, "Don't you love her face?" And then I thought he said, "Don't you love her ass?" She's walking out the door. That's what I thought they were saying, and I thought, "Oh, that's clever. That's like a clever." play on words because it sounds like don't you love her ass she's walking out the door but he's also saying don't you love her ass because that's what you see when she's walking out the door right that but sense? nobody else nobody else has ever i've never met anyone else that thought that's what they meant in the song so i don't know but i did find a live version on wikipedia or on youtube that's from 1970 so before the record and he says don't you love her when she's walking out the door in that so at some point they changed it. Well, and Robbie Krieger, I think Robbie Krieger must have written the lyrics to this, right? Because it says he's the only one credited. Yeah, so. he, he wrote this. This was basically uh, making fun of Jim and Pamela Curzon's relationship because, you know, it was highly, highly volatile and they were always breaking up. She was always leaving. And, uh, you know, he just wrote this as an observer. You know, he would always see all this high drama if he was at Jim's house or, you know, like if Pamela would come to the studio with him, you know, it was always, oh, my God, what the fuck's going to happen with these two today? So he wrote it as kind of like, I mean, it's not a jokey song, but it's his interpretation of the relationship, you know, like, oh, you're always breaking up, you know, don't you love her? She's walking out the door. And, uh, well, which is great, too, because her name's The Doors. So I still think it's clever, you know, but I know the actual lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't think you you don't think they that they mean like a double meaning? Uh, well, I, I I don't know. I don't think there's a part where he says love her ass. It's don't you love her as? Yeah, actually, I don't stop. It's it, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't I you just, love I, her as she's walking out the door? I know. I just like thought there done. was like a double meaning there. Yeah, and um. Yeah, I guess there's not. But, well, if it, if it helps you enjoy the song, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, fuck it. 
My 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 ex wife thought uh, jump. The lyrics were Maxwell jump, and she's like, "Who's Maxwell jump?" <laughs> you know, it says on Wikipedia. Not... No, it says on Wikipedia that the producer quit because of this song because he hated it. Well, there, there's uh, that that's been said before, but it is misquoted. The one he actually left over was Riders on the Storm, which he called lounge music. But, oh, so that's the one. Okay, that they say on Wikipedia, it says he called this song cocktail music. Yeah, right. yeah, but but if you, if you read further, what it, what he 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 talks about being misquoted, it was actually "Riders okay. on the Storm." But he was mad about Paul Rothschild was very much a uh, a perfectionist, which would make them you know you know do take after take, which Morrison and the rest of the band hated because they wanted that spontaneous feel. And when they took that step back with Morrison Hotel, uh, he was he was he was against that. He's like, no, it's got to be like soft parade. You got to keep adding this and adding that. He like kept wanting them to change and evolve. And they they're like, no, we feel like this is too overblown. We want to go back to to our roots. You know what we feel uh, that was too polished. And you know it was it wasn't only that. He was also very disturbed by the the death of Janis Joplin who died previously to this and he was very close to Janis Joplin and and then there was just a lot of bullshit that came with the doors too you know like is is Morrison going to show up what state is he going to be in and uh, the funny thing by by accounts once Rothschild left uh, and they started making this Morrison would come in sober uh, well one he was very excited to be working with you know Elvis's bass player and uh, two, he just was excited about making a blues record, and and that's he felt more in tune with that. He was being, he became very disillusioned with the Doors, and was talking about leaving the band, you know, prior to the recording of this, because he's like, ah, I don't like what we become. I want to go back to what we were, you know. And he was showing more interest in acting, and you know, in his poetry and shit like that. But uh, yeah, so there, there's that. All right. All righty. Take the next one, Ian. All right. Uh, well, well, I want to. Well, I just want to say I love the song. <laughs> uh, I, I I think it's great. I think it's a quintessential Doors song. Um, and uh, yeah, ah, fuck it. That's all I got on that. But I will take the next song. Been down so long. God damn, do I love this song. Uh, this is it's. Reportedly inspired by I don't know the guy's name. Uh, you Richard know. Farina. Yeah, there you go. Him. Who he is, I have no fucking idea. If he's a poet, who cares? No, he was just like a beat writer. I've read that book a long time ago. It, it's actually called Been Down So Long It Looks Like Up To Me is the name of the right. book. And I think he was in like the Kerouac uh, Ginsburg crowd, I think, if I remember right. But Okay, well, good for him. Never heard of him, <laughs> but... Uh, but I love this fucking song, and I I love the, the the tortured way that fucking Morrison sings this. I mean, it just feels like he every fucking lyric, uh, you know, he feels, and, and and the way he presents it, and 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 what a, I mean, even you know, even if he didn't write the title, just I've been down so goddamn long that it looks like up to me. I mean. Who hasn't been there or felt that beat down that, like, anything looks fucking up? And I just 
love the, the, the blues and the you know rhythm and blues to this song. But man, especially at the end where it goes off in the little, you know, you get the Krieger guitar solo and then it kicks back in and the way that fucking Morrison howls that that last I've been down so goddamn long. I mean I mean just oh it's it's gut-wrenching and, and like it just feels like a thousand percent and to me like I just a- after we recorded last Friday me and Ralph were gonna do a review of this and I got too drunk listening to this and I was like ah oh, fuck it I went on Amazon bought it on vinyl and, and, and I got it Sunday and I'm listening to it and I was just like oh fuck is this perfect I mean it's just this is one of the like in my opinion one of the greatest Doors songs that like casual Doors song uh casual Doors fans don't know I don't and, and uh I, I, I think it's awesome and it's my kind of blues you know I, I like you know I, I love like traditional real blues and I kind of like the English version of blues but not like that bullshit Eric Clapton version of the blues but bands like Savoy Brown you know Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac uh, you know shit like that but this is like really really awesome fucking you know blues doors to me and I love it uh, but you were saying Ralph what do you think of this No, like I said I'm a casual doors fan I didn't know this song oh yeah oh yeah you didn't know it well what what do you think of this song Ralph I was like what the hell man this is another great one how does this and the changeling not be a staple on classic radio it gives me the same charge as the changeling I like how he's telling some chick to get on her knees he is a poet indeed, actually. My, my type of poet. I feel bad for those who who know these songs for years. Much cooler for me hearing this as it's like new music to me. You know what I mean? I feel bad for you, Ian, because you didn't get the same charge I got this week. I'm like, damn, this is really good. You're like, yeah, it's a great song. I know it, though. You know, this shit's new right. to me, you know? Right. Well, it's it's one of those. It, it's it's timeless for me, but I would I would love to be like. Yeah, exactly. Y- you know, to be you and, of course. and to get it for the first time. I like, laugh wow. at the envy you have for me. Yes. <laughs> All right, BJ, what do you think? I love this song, by the way. It's great. It's good. Cool too. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> uh, Don't I worry, do BJ. I'll be joining you soon. <laughs> I do agree that, see, I'm not a fan of Jim Morrison's voice when he does the loungy, really deep singing voice, but I do think he has a cool voice when he does the gruff voice and the screaming, like on this song. But I don't like any blues rock. I just don't like it. I like, I do like the old, like, Lead Belly, Robert Johnson, the folky blues, but I, there's just really nothing in the vein of this song that I like that that just follows the formula which I call repetitive but it just I know I mean I like a certain kind of song which every which somebody who doesn't like the kind of song I like would probably describe the kind of songs I like the same way I describe these songs so I get that but this just to me it's kind of generic and plotting and the same old blues song that just this kind of follows the formula and so it's just something I do not like to listen to and I don't really know why but it's just one thing I do not like is blues rock it just doesn't work for me at all so 
what, what 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 kind of music do they play at the Pinkberry that you work at? <laughs> All right, well, BJ, you hated been down so long. What do you think about the next blues tastic song? Cars hiss by my window. <laughs> yeah, I have pretty much the same comments for this song. To me, boring, generic, unoriginal blues. <laughs> so, so. I, I see an underlining theme here. Yeah, it, well, yeah, these, yeah, these two songs in a row are just. I, it's just not the kind of song that catches my attention or that I'm ever gonna go back to to listen to. Um, just not right. my cup of tea. <laughs> All right, Ralph, what do you think about this one? Well, after three cool tunes, now it's sleepy time. I'm not as all uh, you cool cats that dig the blues stuff. I dig many blues tunes. But, you know, BJ was saying how those other songs, I mean, like, I liked it. But this one, it's, this is one, it's like the formula blues that I've heard so many times before. But most, uh, but most do have an emotional guitar solo that brings some ear candy to my, to my blues tunes, but that I don't like, but this one does not even have that. So it's batting zero for me, not my thing. I don't like this song. All right, well, this is one I can I can see where you guys are coming at with this one. I actually do uh, love this song, but I can kind of, <laughs> I, I, I can see this as being one where like, I'm blinded by my Doors fandom. Where, it, you know, if I wasn't a Doors fan, this isn't going to convince me. Like, oh, yeah, they're a great band. But there's just something about this that that, that works for me. All right. So, well. so, so seriously, BJ, what do you think of uh, the next track, L.A. Woman? <laughs> yeah. L.A. Woman, the title track, yeah. And we're back. <laughs> well, this one, this is a good example of, this is a bluesy song, but I kind of like this song because it's, it's not as generic and paint by numbers just you know formula it's a lot more energetic and expired or inspired uh, especially in the previous two songs for me so this is i think there's more rock and roll than blues in this song as opposed to the other songs are just almost all blues you know and ralph already mentioned danzig where i really hear you i i hear so much danzig in this song <laughs> i never really i never I think until just listening to this for this, I didn't realize exactly how much Danzig was inspired by Jim Morrison. But right. yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there now that I... But I think Danzig songs are way better than Doors songs because they're just more melodic for me. So okay. I, I, right, I enjoy Danzig more as well. Uh, LA oh, Woman. Rob. LA Woman. Uh, back to a song I know. And I never liked it. It's not bad, but it does not tickle my soul. I, I, it, it, it's a little too whatever for me. An example why this and many of the hits kind of kept me away from looking into the doors. You know, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not really too keen on LA Woman. It's kind of boring to me, and it is kind of long, isn't it? Seems, yeah, it is like seven minutes. Yeah, it seems it long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's seven seven minutes and uh, forty nine seconds. I think of perfection. Uh, I love this. I think it encompasses 
everything about the doors that I love, and it shows a lot of different light and shade. Um, what the fuck it's talking about, I don't know. You know, there's been all kinds of shit, like Mojo Ryzen was talking about, you know, the, uh, the civil rights movement and the rise of the black man, and that I've heard it's about a chick, and I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things, like I said with Morrison, I don't understand his lyrics, but it's the delivery and the way, and the way he does it. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, seriously, a quintessential fucking Doors song. Uh, and I, I wish you guys liked it. I wish you got the same enjoyment I get out of it, but you don't. Well, and I get, TJ likes it more than I do. Yeah. And, and yeah, and he barely likes it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you, you know, but but I understand that. And 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 the, and the Doors is one of those bands, like you know, as close-minded as I can be on some shit. I am open-minded on the Doors. I I realize it's not for everyone, but to me, when I hear this, man, I'm just like, wow. Uh, you know, but hey, if it, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't. And that's why we're talking about this and giving different perspective. But like, like I said, this is an album that I, I, I love so much. Like I said, I was of two minds. Like, do I get, like, really in-depth with every little nuance, or do I just give a gut? But, you know, for our show, you know, it's more like we're about the gut. You know, we we had a review one time. <laughs> and Ralph, Ralph, you'll remember this. The guy said, uh, you guys really don't review the albums. You just say what you think about them. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, 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 and then talk about where you were when it came out. I'm like, asshole, that's a review. You talk about what, what you think about it. So what the went, fuck you think but, we are? A fucking, what is it, uh, Eagle Rock DVD, you asshole? Right, but, but then again, I've heard other podcasts that are like that. You know, it's like, they're more, oh, what 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 strings did you use on that song and what tuning and I well, I could give a frog's fat ass. Do you like the fucking song? Does it move you or not? You know, it's like Jesus fucking Christ. I like okay, that frog's fat I, ass. I, you, <laughs> I get it. You never kissed a girl and you really like this album. You know, get this isn't the show for you. You know, we we are we are assholes talking about music. You know, we should change the name to assholes talking about music. Fuck that shit. We should call it Frog's Fat Ass Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Frog's Fat Ass. <laughs> that we shit's a, awesome. A fat ass, what you think? <laughs> Frog's Fat Ass. <laughs> All right, cool. Good one, here. But uh, here you go. We'll flip this motherfucker over to side B. And to me, this is a song like... People by the way, hate. by the way, it may be flipping over to side B, but did you know it was channel three on an A track? Oh, there you go. Uh, I've just made that up. Uh, well, fucking, I mean, eh, yeah, is this mic on? Am I funny tonight? <laughs> I ain't doing too good, am I? <laughs> that that's all right. BJ and his husband are holding you up. Yeah, all right. Uh, but uh, we'll flip it over. The next song, La America. Now, this is a song I will fully admit. That, like, people who hate the doors, this is the ammo in your gun. You know, you're like, oh, God, see? This is fucking rubbish. This is terrible. I hate this shit. Uh, I will admit this is my least favorite song on the album, but I do still like it because I am a doors nutswinger. There's stuff I appreciate. I, I love the part 
where you just you're waiting for him to say fuck and he and he doesn't and i love that little twist that little take on it uh but it is kind of all over the place musically definitely has like a latin march feel to it uh but anybody who doesn't like this song i can't like you know i can't argue with it'd be like somebody you know trying to tell me fucking fanfare is a good song and no it's not gonna happen or tell me odyssey is a good rocker i'll be like no uh but i admit that i like this because i'm a doors fan if i wasn't a doors fan yeah i wouldn't like this and i don't expect either of you to but uh ralph what is your feeling on l'america this is why i don't like the first two alice cooper because it has the same sound of suck so hippie dippy lsd influence tune maybe i would dig it on acid i don't know but it's what i did uh a little too whatever for me it's, it's the lyrics from the door judging by many of the hits have done um i just don't like it i i yeah i agree with you ian even though you're doing very much of what kiss does with the elder i know it sucks but i gotta like it that's how i that's how i am when i listen to the elder yeah well i admit it <laughs> i can't all right bj give me your hate yeah, the, this is just the worst kind of Jim Morrison bullshit, you know, that he could be such a pretentious, hacky fuck. Yeah! <laughs> and this is just so fucking horrible. I mean, yeah, the, the little part where you think he's going to say fuck, it, all of a sudden it kicks into like a song. The rest of it is just like, I wrote that it's, it sounds like it's improvised poetry at a poetry slam for hippies with rich parents. It's just, like, <laughs> oh man, it's horrible. It, it's yeah if, if this is like you said this is the thing if you don't like the doors then this is exactly right like the kryptonite <laughs> right oh, here no, I, I i definitely get that yeah definitely. yeah how do you pronounce right, the next song ralph uh yeah and i was gonna go to you for this uh hyacin house hyacin house now this one i liked a lot and it's another new one that i've never heard before i think it's catchy and i dig the vocal melody even with Jim doing that boring voice he usually does, it works here. I think it's a great tune and good good new song for my ears. So here's another one that I got to say I liked. All right, BJ. Yeah, well, you know the, the producer, what's his name, Rothschild? He said either cocktail music or lounge music. I think that's a lot of what, in the uh, poppier, more melodic Doors songs, they always have that element of like lounginess about them that right. make it a little hard to take it seriously or completely seriously and yeah this on this song is it's the like the quintessential jim morrison really deep voice with like an echo effect on it <laughs> that just i can't really take it seriously the song is it's definitely much more up my alley than those bluesy songs from the first side but it, i it, i was just kind of laughing at it i think <laughs> But that's just probably because of my bias towards Jim Morrison and how worshipped he is. And I just think, you know, I don't, I don't, like you're saying, you don't know what the hell he's talking about with his lyrics. I don't think he did either. I think it's, he just pulled it out of his ass for the most part. And uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'll let you get into the song. I want to bring up an interesting fact that I don't think either of you know, know this. And I know a lot of people, I've never seen anybody mention this. But did you know, you know where he's buried at that bus? His, his head 
Right. In Paris? You, you know, yeah, in Paris. You know that sometime in the 70s, a guy drew Peter Chris makeup on that head? And <laughs> it's a true story. And uh, they were bl- they were accusing of Jim Morrison being alive and was Peter Chris. <laughs> this, I remember reading this shit, dude. For real, this is the truth. It may have been a yeah. fake story in a in a magazine. I don't remember where exactly I read it, but this was during the seventies. I read this as a kid, and I was even thinking back then, is that Jim Morrison? You know, Jim Morrison learned how to play drums. Why did they pick Peter Chris out of all the know. guys in Kiss? I don't know, right? It's weird. I guess it's all just right. one wacky dude drew that on well, there, and then everybody else came to that conclusion. Well, let me correct you on that. Uh, you're kind of there, but a little bit off. He actually drew Eric Singer makeup. Oh! <laughs> oh that's okay. The real cat. Yeah, the yeah, cat exactly. man. Character. Yeah, the cat man. Yes. Yes. Uh, Hyacinth House. Uh, definitely, in my opinion, one of the many highlights on this album. I love this song. Uh, I, I love what it says. I, I love... Uh, you know, sometimes when, when you come off as the tortured artist and, you know, oh, famous and everything, it's, you know, meant to be and woe is me, I'm famous and it sucks. But... The way he sings this, and I love when he says, you know, I need a new friend. I need someone who doesn't need me. And and, and the way he sings, to me, is, is very sincere. And it sounds like somebody's, like, serious. Like, I, I, I'm famous as fuck now, but I'm surrounded by fake people. And, and I just, I need someone who doesn't need me. And the way he says that, you know, it's like, you know, I want somebody who doesn't look at me as Jim Morrison, just somebody who's a, a regular pal. And and I love that because, you know, Ralph and I are on an extremely popular podcast, <laughs> you know, uh, among prisoners. And, and you know, we have we have many fake friends, and sometimes we just want somebody who just knows the real, you, you know, Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> Speak to yourself when it comes to that, buddy. All my friends are top top notch drug addict kleptos. <laughs> but enough about me. I'm talking about your other friends. Oh, uh, <laughs> the hangers on. Uh, but no, I, I I love this song. I, I love it musically. I love the way it delivers it, and uh, and lyrics I think are spot on. Absolutely love it. But then we go into a song that I think. Uh, <laughs> BJ wouldn't like Crawling Kick Snake. You think only him, huh? Yeah. Uh, now, this is a traditional blues song. Uh, probably the most famous arrangement is by John Lee Hooker. And this is something they did way back in the club days. And uh, they would also do, you know, part of like his whole Lizard King thing he would do, uh, you know, around the Waiting for the Sun era. Uh, I, I, I love it. But again, it's one of those I can kind of see where if you're, you know, if you're not like a full-on Doors fan, I can see where you find it a little bit boring. Uh, but I, I dig because it, it is. It, I like the blues, and this is the kind of blues I like. But I can see if you're just a casual fan or not like a blues fan at all, where this would be boring. What do you think, BJ? Yeah, that's all I wrote down is boring. 
I, I, but I would say it's just like quintessential filler, you know, is the way I look at it. Um, you know, they just needed some to, to <laughs> fill out enough time on the record, so let's just put that on here. So you would say you would say it's the Cadillac Dreams of the album. <laughs> it's even better than Cadillac Dreams, I think. But yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Except Cadillac Dreams, they put as the first song on side two, which is fucking insane. All right, Ralph, what do you think of? Crawl well, actually, Games? I'm looking at my notes, and I also put boring in it. My note says <laughs> another Danzig ripoff, and 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 like that car hiss song, whatever the fuck, it's blues by number. That is Xanax to music. Boring. <laughs> and this one has like a guitar solo that I find not that bad, but I don't find it great either. So it's kind of like, that's like the only kind of saving grace about it. But I found it very boring. And yeah, it's like I've heard blues songs like this so many fucking times. Like the same kind of structure. And it doesn't go anywhere. It's just the same old, same old thing. And uh, like BJ, I think I'm a little... I like the blues a little more, but I'm not really a blues fan either. So hearing yeah. a song that I've heard blues that I've heard, you know, like there's certain blues songs that I dig that has like a real smoking guitar solo. Yeah. And, right. and I mean, like Gary Moore, like before he went total blues, when he would throw in those blues songs on his hard rock albums, I love those blues songs, you know. But this one is just like the same fucking, it's just it, boring is a great way of saying it. I could have just said boring like BJ. Being over with it, sorry. Alright, uh, the next one is called The Wasp, Texas Radio, and The Big Beat. Now, I've heard this one before, because I think it's on that same Greatest Hits album I have. And I don't know, maybe not. But I have heard this before. It's artsy-fartsy Jim talking some real deep thought provoking garbage. Uh, music is as unexciting to me as well, and I don't care for it. I don't like this song. BJ. Yeah, that's fucking Jim Morrison, the poet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really awful. Really bad. All right, let's hear how much you like this one, Ian. All right. Uh, I, I love this one, but admittedly for sentimental value, uh, if it wasn't for that, it would probably be like right around there with La America for my least favorite track, but... Uh, uh, this is something my, my dad used to sing a lot and it, you, when my when my son was born he'd always grab my you know when my son was real small I'd grab him by the stomach you know and like tell me about Texas Radio and the big beat and you know it, it's just one of those things where like I'm, I'm not even objective to this song because it just has so much like sentimental value but I can again I can see where you put out like this is like hippy dippy like you have no idea what he's saying uh, I, I I get that I I get that I also I prefer this song. Uh, there's a poetry album that came out later called American uh, shit. What is it? American poet prayer? American prayer. American prayer. Thank you. Uh, I own that by they, the way on vinyl. And, and, and I, I I really love that album. It, it's kind of weird uh, because it's like disco beats <laughs> program. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's very much like a, it's a because it came out in '78, and uh, it was just like the Doors took a lot of his like poetry and took different parts out of each songs and put, I guess what would be considered contemporary music over the top of it, uh, 
so it's very like of its time and weird but i really love it but uh on that album it's called stoned immaculate which is you know part of the lyric he says of this i feel it works better that way than it does in you know the wasp but uh like i said this is one uh i totally admit i have fucking horse blinders on it just it, it has too much meaning to even be objective but i do see what both of you guys say like again if if you're a casual doors fan or not a fan this is not one that's gonna turn your head and go oh yeah great song so uh that that's about the the honest uh review i can give of that but then we lead into a song that i would be surprised if anybody could say anything bad about that's riders on the storm uh what a way to close this album i i, I love the sound you know the sound oh, really because i guess the next two songs are bonus tracks because that there was two extra songs that you sent me oh yeah yeah those are bonus tracks okay okay those are bonus tracks um yeah this is what closes out the actual album riders on the storm um absolutely love this and you know this is a song that there's a lot of you know uh, mystery about what does it mean did jim kill somebody uh you know there's talk about this was from a script that a movie he was going to do because he was you know he was looking to get into acting and they're basically saying he was taking the script that he was reading and made a song about it and you know you this you could do a whole fucking podcast on this fucking song and all the alternative meanings and and all the you know history behind it um but i think just as a straight up fucking door song and this is the only door song on the album that has uh writing credits from all four members and i think deservingly so because i think they all pull their weight and uh and and spew their doors-esque magic on this song i mean i it's just absolutely incredible and man right before you know ralph you and i started recording earlier uh today uh you know right before i called you this song ended and then bam i called you and i was just like what a fucking magical way to fucking end an album and this is like really like i I, i'd be really surprised if, if even bj's husband had a crossword to say about this song because i think it's just perfection but uh I could be proven wrong. BJ, what do you think about Riders on the Storm? <laughs> no, I, I think it's a really cool piece of work and has a lot of artistic merit. I just have a real bias against Jim Morrison more than anything. So just his voice and probably detracts from my enjoyment of it. But I have to admit, it's a very cool piece of work. And I the one bad thing I could say about it is I really don't like the whisper in the background that repeats all the all the lyrics it's kind of annoying that well, you know there's a whisper behind him the whole time it seems uh, well let, let me ask you this because this could explain a lot when you met your husband in art school did he have a jim morrison poster that you felt threatened by you're like, like uh, uh, i gotta compete with that so i can't even <laughs> criticize the whisper <laughs> I just thought like the whisper that, um, uh, you know, it, it doubles the vocals the whole time and it kind of annoyed me. Um, I don't know if I'd ever even noticed it before, but I was listening to this in my earbuds 
on my iPod, which has never occurred in my life before that I listen to the Doors on headphones. <laughs> but uh, I and I love that lyric. I think you were referencing that there's a killer on the road. His brain yes. is squirming like a toad. Yes. Or his brain is squirming like a frog's fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this is a cool song, I have to admit. It's kind of an epic, you know, this is a really uh, cool piece of songwriting and cool performance and everything. It's, 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 uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right, that's an acceptable answer. <laughs> Ralph, what do you think? I think it's fucking boring. <laughs> I don't like this really? song. I've never liked this song. I'll say one nice thing about it, okay? The nicest thing I can say about this song is if it comes on the radio, I will change it, but if the other station has Jackson Brown playing, I'll go back and listen to this. That's about all I can say about this show. I don't like it. I don't like anything so, about it. Better than Jackson Brown. That's a so, yeah, there you go. So, so if it's between this and lawyers and love. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll pick this. There, there's something right. nice I can say. Running on, running on empty. All right, let me go back to that boring-ass door song. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah, sorry. Do, do you guys want to hear my Jackson Brown story? Sure. <laughs> yes, please. I was at a record store, I think in Chicago, in the 90s, and the, the, the uh, owner of the store, whoever was working there, was playing Jackson Brown in the store. And there was a guy shopping there, and he goes up to the guy that was working the register, and he says, he told him that one time him and his girlfriend went to a Jackson Brown concert, and somebody came and asked his girlfriend if she wanted to go backstage, and she never came back. And he went home from the concert alone. Oh, man. <laughs> then, then, then Jackson Brown beat her, right? <laughs> <laughs> he fucking uh, wow. Daryl Hannah her ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are we going to talk about these bonus tracks? No. Nah. All right. One of them was oh. a B. There, were, there was a B side, right? To well, was, well, 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 both of, both of them are B sides. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't hear those. I didn't listen to those. Yeah, you you're talking about Orange County Suite and uh, you need meat. Don't go no further. So I took right? I took notes for nothing. Yes. <laughs> we're not giving this guy his money's worth, Ian. I'm sorry. Well, I, I didn't listen to him either. So. <laughs> well, that means okay. I'll just do the review. My yeah. review of Orange County Suite. More like watching orange paint dry on a county street. <laughs> Hard to stay awake on this one. No, sir, I don't like it, like that horse said. Uh, and you don't meet, don't go any further. Another blues by number, but this one works for me. I like it when uh, Jim, I'm gonna read my notes. When Jim likes, likes this, I don't know what the fuck I was on. Ben is grooving, reminds me a little bit like Elvis like his uh, song Trouble that he ripped off from dancing. Him and Jim are hiding out uh, so they don't have to play uh, pay Glenn Danzig. Regardless, I, I give the final song on the Final Doors album, When Jim Was Alive, a thumbs up. All right, well, in closing, this album was released April 19, 1971, produced by The Doors and their engineer, Bruce Botnick. Uh, let's see on sales on this. This I one in the States has gone double platinum. It was, of course, the last Doors album to feature Jim Morrison and uh, is usually considered among their top albums, unless you just hate the Doors. Uh, 
And uh, once again, I uh, want to thank Eric Cinnamon for picking this and thanking him for donating to the cause. And now it is time to go into Pick of the Week. And uh, because you are our special guest, Mr. BJ Kahuna, are you Mr. or Mrs. Kahuna? <laughs> Do you catch or pitch? <laughs> um, I'm Ms. Yes, yeah. oh, the catcher, oh. the catcher, <laughs> Miss Jackson. If you're nasty, <laughs> Jackson Brown. Uh, if you're nasty, yeah, <laughs> oh, oh, don't be the pretender. All right, we want the real BJ Kahuna. What is your pick of the week? Well, I, I CD I pulled out recently to listen to in the car that I hadn't listened to in a while. Um, came out i think came out in 2004 you guys know the band the backyard babies nope i've i've heard of them i haven't heard them yeah they're swedish band this was their i guess technically their fourth album it's called stockholm syndrome um it's so fucking great just uh they were kind of a throwback to glam metal but a lot heavier and um you know there was a whole they were a part of the whole scene of bands that kind of you know came from the wild hearts and then you know like hardcore superstars still going who hardcore superstar if you guys know them they started out as just a imitation of the backyard babies basically um backyard babies though such a great band and that's probably their best album it's so fucking cool so if anybody hasn't heard stockholm syndrome by the backyard babies highly recommended because it's really great or if you're american just listen to steel panther <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 uh, no sir, I'll, I'll check it out because I know that there was that whole wave coming out of, you know, it, it's funny out of those Nordic countries where you think it's like black metal. There seemed to be a resurgence of glam, but yeah. uh, I, I just I never really check. Is it like Crash Diet, another band? That's, yeah, yeah, they were uh, as good. There's a band also. There's a band called Babylon Bombs that were fucking great, and they had an album called Babylon's Burning that was maybe like 2009 or something. That album is so great. Yeah, a lot of Swedish bands in that vein. Yeah, great stuff. All right, cool. Ralph, what is your pick of the week? I heard that Crash Diet. I did not like that at all. No, they had some a couple of good songs. Well, you might have heard that their singer killed himself after the first album, and really? they weren't as good. Yeah. So, and then, you know, oh, do you guys know the band Reckless Love? No. No. They're pretty cool, too. But, yeah, they're, the guy was in Reckless Love. He was in Crash Diet for one album. They've had a different singer on, like, every album. But, really, I only like the first album. As long as they're better than Hanoi Rocks. I love Hanoi Rocks, but... Oh, and they're God. not... Crash Diet are not better than Hanoi Rocks. But, uh... You know, the, you know, you know the best thing Motley Crue ever did? Oh. Let's kill, <laughs> kill Hanoi Rocks. Oh. Ouch. I, I, I would put that almost above Shout at the Devil. Oh. <laughs> but Backyard Babies are a billion times better than Crash Diet. So Okay. Uh, my pick of the week is something that I've only heard two times. Because uh, it's brand new and I fucking love it. May I, I mean, I'll have to judge this later on. But, man, judging by two times, I mean, time will tell. But I feel like it's the best album yet. Is uh, the new Body Count, Bloodlust. Uh, I, I I could change my mind, you know, because, you know, Cop Killer is my favorite. And I love the last one a lot, too. What was it called? Manslaughter, I think? Yeah, that was a real good one. It was really good. But this one, oh, my God, every single song is really dark. 
and heavy and they don't really like you know every every body count album has kind of like a ballady song uh, like winter takes it all and i think we love you or some shit from the last one this one there's nothing mellow about this song this album it's fucking heavy it's dark uh the one song that grabbed me a lot is uh, called here i go again you know uh which you know you think of white snake when you hear that but that song is like it's, it's just pretty much talks through the song to this really dark music about you know what it's like to be a serial killer how you like to kill people um, so that is my pick of the week i really think body count hit a grand slam on bloodlust it's, it, it's like boy man i haven't heard an album new like this but, like i listened to it today on my walk and i liked it so much that i played it again i played it, and i don't usually do that even if i love an album hey that was really good now i play something else this one was so good i was like man i want to hear this again like right afterwards because did i just hear how awesome this was so there you go and believe me i i don't like a lot of body count albums though i thought like from the first album all the way up to manslaughter it's been kind of crappy so like uh bloodlust is my favorite week how many body count albums are there? There's not like, that many. There's what five, maybe. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. The first one, uh, Born Dead. Uh, what's what? The violent one, something. Yeah, violent something. And then there's the murder, murder by murder, death or some shit. Yeah, and there. Was, I think there is another one too. What? Uh, yeah, no, four, six. There's six of them. Okay. Yeah. This I is this, there's six of yeah, I wasn't too crazy. I only like three other albums, and this one, I think, I don't know, we'll see. Time will tell, but at the moment, because it was just today I heard it for the first time. And, oh my God, I loved it. I fucking loved it. There you go. All right, well, my pick of the week, uh, I know for sure Ralph hates, and uh, probably, you know, wouldn't be far reach that uh, BJ doesn't like it either, but is the second album by The Velvet Underground. Uh, white Light, White Heat. Uh, big fan of this album. I think it's where you get true Velvet Underground. A lot of people always go to the first one with Nico, but Nico was forced upon him by Andy Warhol and created a lot of shit. And, you know, she was gone after the first one. And you just get pure, like, Lou Reed and John Cale uh, on this album and the rest of the band, uh, Mo and uh, Sterling. Uh, but I, I love the title track. I love the gifts. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, just really cool avant-garde 60s art rock. And uh, I think it still stands the test of time. They just put out like a, a brand new edition of it. I think it's like a, like a four CD or four vinyl edition of it that uh, I, I would love to get on vinyl. Because I'm a big Lou Reed fan, uh, you know, but even I don't really care for Lulu, uh, you know, uh, but uh, but big fan of Lou Reed, big fan of Velvet Underground, and probably, probably my favorite Velvet Underground album, but uh, White Light, White Heat, that is my pick of the week. How cool. You're hip, oh, well, I love the Velvet Underground, but... Besides the title track, I don't know how much I like what the gift isn't that where it's just like a short story being read in one ear while the music's in the other ear. I love that, that gift is. 
Yeah, about, about where the guy sends himself to his girlfriend, but she's fucking another guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I oh, love yeah. the last two Velvet Underground albums. Those are my favorite. Loaded's probably my favorite. But... Really? Lo lo yeah, well, Loaded it, man. Yeah. I mean, I like Loaded, but it's so far removed, you know, and John Cale wasn't there. But, you know, he wasn't there for the third one either. I don't love that one, too, with, you know, Pale Blue Eyes. And oh, that's great. Like that. Yeah, no, I don't like that one either. Yeah, <laughs> Candy says. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that's a great album too. Wow! All of a sudden, I'm doing a podcast with two hipsters. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, now it's time to go into fan of the week, and fan of the week is the man that is responsible for this review, and that's Eric Cinnamon. Yeah. And uh, sorry, uh, Eric. Yeah. And uh, I'm half sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, Eric's a fan of this show, so I think he'll appreciate the little twists and turns we did. And he's, he's like, he's like, dude, I paid for this shit. And you put a hater on? <laughs> Way to go, Ian's, Ian's idea. I, I hope you would like this, but I, I but wanted, I, I wanted BJ for the Velvet Underground fucking <laughs> But uh, er Eric and I went to the same high school. We both dropped out of the same community college. And, uh, no wonder you both love the doors. Yeah, <laughs> just joking, Cinnamon. And uh, and uh, no, no, Eric's a cool dude. He's been around since the beginning. Uh, he he does post on the page, and I like he always puts weird shit. And I and I love it. Like it'll be a weird picture, or whatever. But it, it always stands out. And like sometimes I don't even have to like see who posted. I just look at that. I was like. Oh, Simon put that up. And, uh, man, I appreciate you, brother. And uh, another guy, I don't think he's going to be able to make it to the expo, but he still wanted to show his support for what we do and, uh, and, and thank us for, you know, the entertainment or lack thereof that we give every week. And that, that means a lot. I mean, I love people that, that are donating, that are going and can't wait. But to me, it almost means even more to people I know that won't be there but just like you know what we love you so fucking much we're gonna donate this and and uh eric i was more than happy to uh to review this for you and uh and i hope you enjoyed what we did brother you are our fan of the week and deservedly so thank you so much eric for contributing and making us look good all right well let's go into the plugs then Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as Ultra Sexy Classic Album Series where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it, don't be a cunt. Alright, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, 
Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. All right. Well, if you enjoyed that hippy-dippy episode, and hopefully you did more well, than uh, BJ and yeah. Ralph. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure the guy that paid for it didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope he did. But we hope you come back next week when it's another fan-requested episode picked by you, the listener. What episode? Fuck you. You're going to have to wait and find out. Hey, hey be nice. That's that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Fuck you too, Ian. Okay. <laughs>